0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Running Center podcast. Today, we speak to Karen Blankenship, an incredibly knowledgeable vision itinerant teacher with many years of experience, including working closely with Dr. Anne Korn, a recent guest of the podcast. Our chat with Karen has been broken into two parts assessment tools and the expanded core curriculum for students who are blind or have low vision. This episode looks at the expanded core curriculum and how it should always be included for a student who is blind or has low vision. Karen talks about the nine domains and why they are so important. We hope you enjoy.
1: Hello and welcome to the Renick Centre podcast. My name's Trudy Smith and I'm the manager of Continuing Professional Education at the Renick Centre. We are joined again by Karen Blankenship for another session. For those of you who haven't
2: met Karen before, can you introduce yourself for us, Karen? Certainly. Um, I have been a teacher of students with visual impairments for 43 years now. And so a long time. And throughout my career, I have done everything. So I have worked as an itinerant teacher. I have been a vision resource teacher. I spent eight years in Iowa as the consultant at the Department of Ed. So I was over the entire state and got to work with all the teachers across the state as well as working for children with multiple impairments. And then I left there and went to Vanderbilt, was a professor at Vanderbilt after Dr. Ann Korn left. And I stayed there for nine years. And now I am finishing out my career at the Tennessee School for the Blind. It does, makes it sound like I can't keep a job, but I do like <laughs> No, it means that you've got diverse interests. <laughs> <laughs> but I am passionate. My research was in expanded core curriculum, Excellent teaching because I am a teacher, and so teaching is a passion for mine. My, my dissertation was in uh, good teachers and transition, so I have been working on all of this. So I have developed over my career a lot of different things to share with professionals because I am a teacher at heart, and I'm always thinking about what can I do to help teachers to be more efficient because our job is the hardest job in the world. So Absolutely. I'm
1: yeah. Now you are one of the experts on the, on the expanded core curriculum. Your work and your your work history really were heavily engaged in the expanded core curriculum. Can you please tell those of us who are joining us um, more about the ECC?
2: Well, it's been around for a very long time. There was there was citations in our literature back in the eighteen hundreds, but before Dr. Hatlin in nineteen ninety six framed it. It was called unique skills, it was called different things. So in 1996, Dr. Phil Hatland said, I am seeing all these students who can graduate from high school with a high level of education, but can't tie their shoes, they can't fix a meal, they can't dress themselves, they're disheveled, they're not able to get jobs. So he started really thinking about this. So in 1996, he framed it. And so I have to tell you guys, I was trained as a teacher. So I'm a dual cert. I'm an elementary ed teacher and a teacher of students who are blind and vision impaired. And I was just really struggling because I wasn't, given the, I wasn't afforded the ability to teach. We were called vision specialists. And we were expected to go in and leave pearls of wisdom and then walk away. And so Dr. Ann Korn shared with me the draft of Phil Hatland's article. And I sat down and cried. It was given me the love of teaching back. So from that moment on, my whole life changed. Every IEP, I used the terminology of expanded core curriculum, and I made a professional decision to no longer tutor. I'm not doing homework. That's not my job. My job is to teach the expanded core curriculum. So I worked with Dr. Hatland, and self-determination became a standalone content area because of my advocacy because I kept seeing self-determination and did a crosswalk and couldn't find it in entirety anywhere so Dr. Hatland put it in as a standalone content area and there was visual efficiency and because of Millie Smith's advocacy work we changed that to sensory efficiency because she says it's not just one area it really is a multi approach. We have to sure. work on tactile skills, work on listening skills, work on visual skills. So I had to take that to the National Agenda Steering Committee to get that changed. Well, that was like herding cats, but we found <laughs> So the expanded core is really those nine areas that we used to say were soft skills for work, but now the research is coming out and they're calling them essential skills which is interesting because they were so important that we put them in law in 2004 with the reauthorization of IDEA because Mm -hmm. kids were not getting enough of that. And, you know, most kids learn expanded core incidentally, but we have to teach it explicitly. It's just different. If you think in the States, we had a class called consumer science that used to be the old home ec class. Kids learn to sew or to cook. But and if you thought they could get enough from that class with you facilitating it, then that was fine. But if not, we really have to think about it. So the expanded core curriculum of those nine areas, and that's our content specialty. We come out of college, we are the content experts for expanded core curriculum. So when we're sitting at a table of professionals, we're the only one there that really knows and experts on those areas. So we have to advocate and make sure our families are advocating for expanded core curriculum. So Karen can
1: I ask you to actually go through those nine areas for us and tell us why each one is so important?
2: Well the first one is assistive technology but I've also linked technology and again these are chunked by Karen. So because keyboarding is something all children learn but our children need to learn it earlier most of them are, were starting to teach keyboarding by kindergarten because that's going to be their mode of communication because they can't read their own handwriting. So we do AT and technology at the same time. Technology is a skill. Assistive technology is a tool. Yes. So make sure that we are assessing so that we know what tool is there for them. is important. And then there's career education. And unfortunately, we have lumped transition, which is Huge into courage. Mm. So oh. think about those skills from birth on. But when you get to be 14, you really need to start ramping it up and thinking yep. about what they need for that next post secondary opportunity. Um, then we have the testing me. So independent living, I'm trying to go through my head alphabetically, <laughs> independent living skills, which used to be called adaptive living ADL, different things, but we're calling them the independent living skills. And that's what's how the term is used in expanded Corps. And that covers everything such as how keeping the house, doing money, knowing time. So it's pretty huge. It's mm, a big area. Yeah, it's a big area. And then we have... That, that's really
1: comes... That, that's just life, isn't it? Really,
2: that area. But, but parents, some parents don't know how to teach it. So if we could do flexible scheduling with go-in. If you want a child to fold the clothes, you need to be teaching that in the home. So the yep. parent, because those skills don't transfer from the classroom to the home. So those kinds of things with the flexible scheduling, working with families so that they can do it at home and be teaching their child. But so many families will say, I just don't know how to do this. How do you teach a child who's blind, how to cook, how to load the dishwasher. So helping families with that so the child can actually participate at home and do those skills because we know that our data after they graduate is they're not always living independently. A lot mm-hmm. of them are still living at home on the couch, playing video games, or watching television instead of working. So yep. it's really tragic and sad. Um, so we have orientation mobility, and so that's a huge one, too. Making sure that students can travel in familiar and unfamiliar environments and making sure they have all those concepts to do directionality and cardinal directions and things like that. And I skipped over compensatory skills. Again, I was trying to do this in the head. I'm sorry, guys. It's at the end of a long day. <laughs> compensatory skills is huge. So how I, how I chunk it in my head is that we're teaching foundational skills, but compensatory skills is what does that child need that year, that class to access the class. So it's going to look different in algebra than it looks like in a second grade classroom. So you have to think about what are those skills that that child needs to access that particular class. And so it could be communication. And for children with complex learning needs, that's the primary thing. If they don't have a way of communicating, there's no learning going on. Absolutely. that's, That's the thing that bubbles up to the top for complex learners is that communication. But it could be teaching them how to use a graphing calculator, teaching them how to use the abacus. So in my head, compensatory are all those skills. It could be test-taking skills, note-taking. So there's a lot, just kind of a hodgepodge, but it could be overwhelming. So what I encourage people to do is just think about that class, that year, what, do they, what are they going to need to access it? So it's sure. just skills. And then um, orientation mobility and living, we have sensory efficiency. And again, Millie Smith advocated to make sure we're talking about tactile skills, we're talking about visual skills and auditory skills. And evals from the Texas Group of the Blind does a really good job of differentiating. So you know that there's something under your fingertips and you move all the way up to being able to learn about what's under your fingertips. Same thing with listening, you know there's a noise, you start to discriminate, but all of a sudden you can use that at a high speed to get all of your information. So they do yep. a really good job of helping us with that, that whole uh, trajectory. There's also self-determination, which is my favorite area of the sport, <laughs> because if you cannot advocate and tell people when you don't need help, and if you can't understand your own strengths as a human being, it's going to be hard to really participate as a, a
1: absolutely. Positive.
2: Self environment. So with the self-determination, I think once we teach those foundational skills, you can move that into every area of expanded core. So anytime you're getting students to collect their own data and analyze their own work, you're doing self-determination. When you have students plan their own routes and problem solve with orientation mobility, you're doing self-determination. So you're moving that into all areas for certain. So sensory efficiency, self-determination, and social interaction skills, because our, our students don't know how to make friends. So you yeah. really have to work with the classroom teacher, the gen genetic teacher, so she can teach the other classmates how to, be, how to establish those friendships and maintain those friendships. So it's just really, really important that we're covering all of these in a very systematic way. And that
1: leads really nicely into my next question, because I wonder, when we're trying to include the ECC in a program, should we be scheduling explicit in- instructional periods, or should it be embedded just as, while we're doing this, we're going to cover these particular skills? What's your recommendation for that?
2: Well, we and we've talked about the assessment piece, but that screening, play, screening tool. To kind of figure out oh, in, in our previous
1: podcast. So so stop right now, go listen to that, then come back now if you haven't yeah, heard that done. one
2: first. <laughs> and once you decide what your priorities are, you can't somebody's got to teach your skills explicitly. You can embed them, you can reinforce them, but not until that skill has been taught explicitly. So I recommend again, depending on the age of a child making sure that someone is teaching those skills explicitly before you start to embed them. But that's not to say like signature writing is a skill, but you could use that as an entrance into your classroom. You don't have to put that as a goal or make it, you know, it's just something they do every day once they've they've practiced it. So those sure. are kinds of are those natural learning times that you can do that aren't explicit, but for some things like for like self-determination, There are so many explicit areas to help students be self-determined that it doesn't just happen incidentally. So I think there are times to do explicit instruction and making sure explicit instruction is a whole learning theory right now that seems to be the most, that has the highest effect size on students. Again, I told you I love teaching. So explicit instruction is where everything is right now. And Devin Kearns is doing a whole thing in Connecticut that is free for teachers to access. Oh, fantastic. Somewhere you've got to teach it explicitly before you start to embed. I know Dr. Hatlin was so excited when they came up with those five-minute lessons from the Hatlin Center and the Printing House for the Blind started publishing those. And I was kind of going, no, you can't do five-minute lessons. Those are only reinforcers. So not to confuse, when you've got the skill taught and it's in, you know, it's in their long-term memory, then you can start reinforcing. You can embed. Yep. But if there are other areas that you can just bed naturally during the day. That have, Sure. Gotta, but somewhere we've got to teach us foundational skills. Yep. So is there a framework that people could, could refer to or use? There is. My favourite book <laughs> is by Jennifer Goki. G-O-E-K-E, and it's, mm-hmm. it's just very teacher-friendly. And so it's a real easy read, and it's got the framework. The, the larger book is by Archer and Hughes, and it's called Explicit Instruction. And it's a little bit larger. Um, if they email me, I have a checklist from the Archer Hughes book. I tell you, I love teaching, and I'm always thinking about teachers. So we have a checklist. I have a lesson plan that's based on Explicit Instruction. So I have a little bit of everything according to the framework. But it's really just starts off. I know we don't have time, but just letting kids know what you're teaching and what you expect them to be able to do. And I thought that's a novel concept because I have done studies where the kids had no idea what their teacher students with visual impairments did with them. So making them a part of their program, making them an understanding why you're doing this, why it's important, and how they're going to use it in real life. So you start there and then you do a talk about so they know how your brain is thinking about it and chunking it and then moving into guided practice and then independent practice.
0: That's the
1: hook, isn't it? If a student understands why you're doing this, then they're going to give it more attention.
2: Right. Because they gave credit to everybody in their school about expanding core, except their TDI's, And I knew they had fabulous teachers and I thought, why is that? But they could remember everywhere that orientation mobility specialists had taken them. Mm-hmm. But that was real life. That was using the skills in real life. And yep. it was, so that really made me think explicit instruction is where we should be. So that's Absolutely. been a passion of mine. So I think, you know, using explicit instruction framework to teach and then embed is my recommendation.
1: Fantastic. Are there resources that people can go to? You're so generous in, in what you share. Are there some things? I know we're going to put some links on the website. Can you talk us through what exactly you're going to share with
2: us? I will give you the link for the Archer book. If you just want to read it yourself, because I'm always buying stuff from Amazon. My app is too easy to use. I don't know what you guys have, but I use my Amazon. We
1: can access Amazon or (laughs) iBooks and all of those sorts of areas. Yep.
2: So you can buy that on there and it's just explicit instruction by Archer and Hughes. And then the Jennifer Gokey book is on there too, and it's called Explicit Instruction of Framework. And so I'll send you the links for those so you'll know the titles of them. I also have a checklist that I created from the the Archer Hughes book I can send you. Um, If you want to look at the lesson plan that may be overwhelming. that's kind of based on explicit instruction and kind of prompts you for all those different things, I can share that if you're not ready for that. I won't.
1: <laughs> no, I think I, I think it's going to be people on uh, different levels of the journey that are listening, and so I think if we we pitch it at, at basic, but you know, provide those stretch resources, I think we're going to hit everybody in the audience.
2: And I did a I did a, a chapter on explicit on ECC. So what I came up with was a little table to tell you the nine areas and possible activities for them that I can share with you, and then I did an overview to kind of tell you why those where those skills are and why they're so important so i can share that with you as well i have a little bit of, i have a hodgepodge of everything is true <laughs>
1: <laughs> we love it no we love it i mean um, as always incredibly generous with what you share with us and if you have more questions for karen please just get in touch with us here at the renick podcast and we can direct those to karen and help you out as well karen it's always a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much again for your time
2: thank you guys it was a pleasure you have a
0: wonderful rest of the day a huge thank you to karen for speaking with us at the renick center podcast if you have any questions for karen or for any of our guests on the podcast please reach out to us via the short courses website contact page shortcourses.ridbc.org.au or via our facebook page facebook.com slash ridbc renick center